Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Asking for Myself, the podcast where I ask all the questions you're too afraid to. And honestly, get some tips on how I can have better sex and relationships. Because why would I not? For those of you who don't know me, I'm your host, Mia. Mia Davis, if we're being specific. I'm the founder and CEO of Taboo, where we create digital products to empower you to have more fulfilling sex, strong and healthy relationships, and nurtured mental health. One of those products includes Taboo Wellness, a creator platform designed for mental health and sexuality professionals to level up their businesses. And now we have a podcast. I figured why not start things off with a bang? So today's episode is about all things orgasm. Are they necessary for good sex? What does it mean if you can't orgasm? And where, oh where, is the clitoris? Is it really that hard to find? Today I am joined by the divine Portia Brown, the founder of ForeticSexology.com, and the incomparable Celine Manning, aka Coach Batty, the CEO of Sex with Baddies. Both of them do incredible work around sexual empowerment, mindfulness, and overall confidence, all of which are a part of orgasms and, spoiler alert, more importantly, pleasure. So without further ado, let's talk taboo. Hi everyone, my name is Portia. I am the founder and creator of Proetic Sexology. I am a sex educator and sex coach, and I'm super excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Celine, aka Coach Baddie, and I'm also the creator of Sex with Baddies, which is a digital online platform all about authenticity, self love, um, living your greatest life, honestly, fearlessly. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. Love that. Okay. So, as you both just mentioned, your sex coaches. So what does that mean? And who do you work with? For me, I primarily work with women and femmes. I, as a sex coach, work to address every sex coach is different. Let me just start by saying that all of it is valid, all of it is cool and good. But for me personally, I work to help people address the things that are not about sex that are impacting their sex life, right? Like, the deep inner healing work that people need to do in order to be confident and free sexually. So I also work um, around mindfulness a lot and integrating that into my practice and helping my clients. Um, I ask them a lot of really uncomfortable questions about their past and about what they think about sex, how they learned about sex, how they learned about pleasure. And we sort of interrogate our history together um, so we can figure out the things that block us from really enjoying sex and pleasure. Yes. And for me, um, I just mostly stay around the confidence side, the um, sexual health and just feeling inside of your body. Very, very much like mindfulness as well. But um, I kind of take a little twist. Like I always like like put in some mindset things because oftentimes it's usually like some type of blockage and it has to do with probably nothing about sex. (laughs) Um, oftentimes. Um, but I just, and that's what I kind of, um, focus on just the beauty of how sex is so just ridiculed sometimes when it comes to the media. And, um, it's, it's, it causes a lot of confusion, whether people actually want to live truly in their bold sexual self, however that looks for them, or should they kind of hide about it? But I kind I just illuminate that. No, like you, it's whatever you actually want to do. And, um, oftentimes what, when it comes to the mindset aspect of it, Black women, Black femmes, just 
black people really we're just always been oppressed and um and not being able to live in our truth because we always just have so much rules so like me i'm just like here to like let's break the rules like that is my side of the sex coaching or or um uh, mindset coaching. That's awesome. So how did you get to this place where you're so comfortable talking about sex? Oh, years of work and practice. I always say that I used to sort of fake confidence about talking about sex. I would always share information and things with my friends um, in an effort to seem cool. Like as a teenager, a lot of it wasn't all the way true. Um, I would leave things out, but I've always been talking about sex since I was a little kid and a little girl. I've been studying and reading about sex and sexuality. Um, But when I was like 23 or 24, I actually started thinking like, okay, I can have more than this. This should be better for me. I know deep down on the inside that the way that I feel when I interact with my partners And the hesitation and the fear and the insecurity and the guilt doesn't have to be with me forever. Um, And so I just started unpacking it through therapy a little bit, through journaling and self-discovery, through celibacy, (laughs) through a lot of different modalities. I kind of started this journey that I'm happy to say that I'm still on. Um, But a lot of years of practice and self-interrogation. I was listening to you on another podcast where you talked about growing up Christian, I'm bringing this up to so many people because for me, I grew up um, going to a Lutheran school for like 11 years and just being very much involved in our church. And I know that that created a lot of sexual hangups for me, a lot of guilt and shame. Did that show up for you too? Hell yes. Hell yes. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I also grew up, you know, in a church setting. I remember being maybe 12 and my sister and I, who is a year younger than me, we basically came home one day and we're like, we're both going to wait until we're married to have sex. We're making a pact right now, a deal with each other to remain, quote, pure, right, until we're married. So that definitely had an impact on me and it still does, right? I haven't been a part of an organized church since I was 16, so almost 15 years away from an organized Christian church, but it still has an impact on me. And a lot of the guilt and shame that I felt came from messages that I received in my church and from my church family. And on this, at the same time, I was experiencing music videos, media, um, the changes happening within my own body. So I felt the need to perform being sexually secure while also like in real time being really hesitant and scared because of the things that I learned you know, as a youth in the church. And I wasn't just like, you know, like going to church. I was like in a youth group. I was heavily involved. I was going on the retreats and all this stuff. So it was, it was a major part of my life. And yeah, it's something that I'm still trying to actively untangle from my belief systems now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that is... Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's uh what when it comes to the religion aspect of just my sexuality, I grew up not really in a home that we had a specific religion. It was more so just like just do good in this world, man. Just have it was almost very like zen, I would say. Um but yeah, the media, whoa, that that kind of disrupted my whole view of um sexuality and stuff. 
it was a little bit confusing because for me, I love dancing. I love um, twerking. Like, come on, who doesn't a little bit? I mean, I don't know. But, you know, just just really moving those hips and feeling a bit of shame because I liked doing that. It, it crossed me wrong. It crossed me wrong. Just um, and then seeing in the media just how when you know when it when uh, uh artists do pop out and start twerking and start and then it becomes a whole issue and now it's there's a whole bunch of um, articles online. It's just ridiculous and um and that's just me kind of being more into the media now. But as far as when I was younger. I just always made sexual jokes and I was scared that, oh my God, people are going to think that I'm just a hoe, you know, like, and it's like, no, I, I, I'm not doing anything actually. Hello. Um, and it's just like, but then it's like, what constituted a hoe? And then it was like that journey of that teenage, like not wanting being a hoe and da, 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 da. And then once I graduated from that, which was really, I, I once I said, you know what, once I first had sex and I was like, I'm a hoe then. <laughs> Like, I'm holding because this, the feeling that sex provided was, it felt really nice to even be connected with someone too, in a, in a, in a way that is, you know, consensual. So I just grew up really loving sex and trying to figure out how to like explore that. And I would do it with the jokes. I would do it with the, you know, the twerk shops and stuff like that. And um, since I was younger, just teaching people how to twerk and stuff and just release. So a lot of what I do is through sensuality and um, movement and just being that badass. Um, and then I just discovered, because I, I um, my background is digital media. So I graduated with a digital media degree. So I was a lot of times I was behind the scenes with the, when it, the camera. And I was like, I just wasn't comfortable behind there. Like, it was like, I'm, I'm good and all, but it's like, I want to be seen. I want to be, I want to be that, that sun, that like light. And for me, how to do that was to express my sexuality. And then I was like, you know what, who's a, how can I make this as a career? You know? And there was some people that were like pillars and like, I was like, yeah, okay, this is possible. Then this is possible. I can do this. And then it was like a rocky journey from there, trying to figure out your lane in the sex field. So that's kind of how I got started. Mm. Can I just say something really quick? Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting, Celine, that you shared that you weren't really a part of the church, but a lot of the things that you said are like the trickle down of purity culture, even still in your life. It's really, it never ceases to amaze me the insidious ways that that shit shows up for us. Like that, even if you are not brought up in a church setting, you can still experience the residue, basically. It trickles. It's wild. It do trickle. It does. It it really do. And and now growing up, I can hear all of those reinforcements that even my parents, you know, um, instilled in me. And I'm just like, oh goodness, like this is interesting. So it's like it, it's that it's 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 life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Totally. It permeates society. So I think it's like impossible to escape because it's just so and everything. While we're on the topic, I was going to bring this up later just as a fun thing. Um, but since you already mentioned it, on your Instagram, Celine, you wrote about how you use movement through pole fitness as a way to be fit and have fun. And this is something I've been wanting to try forever. I've been like, I did this one class a while ago that I don't even think it actually, it was supposed to like move toward the pole, but you started with like floor movement and stuff like that. Um, and I also wrote down this Usher quote. <laughs> oh, 
it's not even really worth mentioning, but, um, you know. <laughs> you know give, give us a quote, Mia. Come on now. <laughs> well, in his song, <laughs> I Don't Mind, he says, this reminds me of my principal uh, in like eighth grade read the lyrics to Lonely by Akon. And I don't even know. I think he was talking about, maybe he was, probably wasn't, but I would think he was talking about depression, but I doubt it because we didn't really ever talk about mental health. Um, but it just felt so ridiculous. So anyway, so I'm going to sound the same way because Usher says, Shadi, I don't mind if you dance on a pole that don't make you a hoe. So. You just mentioned feeling like a hoe, what does it mean? Embracing that, reclaiming it, pole fitness. And also I wanted to mention how the rise in pole fitness, like how that coexists or how it separates from just like people who judge strippers and people who actually use pole dancing in their profession. Uh, That's a loaded question and it's a lot, but can you kind of unpack some layers there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love loaded questions. The first thing I, that comes to my mind is that they mad because we making money <laughs> from all of us. Like everything, like our body, our mind, the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we move our bodies, we can benefit from it. We can. Um, and I think that for me, that is just, that's amazing. That is amazing. We don't, you don't have to do much. That's the thing in this world. As as people, we don't have to do much to shine and to to feel good about ourselves. We don't. There is work though, because of all of the the conditioning, because of the reverse effect of living in your power. But that's okay. It's a part of the journey. So when I think about um, just the pole dancing, it's like it's just a tool. It's just a tool to really get you feeling good about yourself. And they're gonna they're the media and everyone um, that's not truly in themselves, um, they're going to demonize things that that benefits people, that benefits us. Because like I always tell people, listen, they are our insecurities is what's giving them the money. It's what's giving them the money. And I let's give them a run for their money and do everything that we want to do. And if it goes against it, if it goes against you know what people are saying, then you won't be living in your truth, you know? And then you're going to eventually, let me tell you, we are see, we are freedom seekers. We will eventually hop on that pole, whether it's through a little class, whether that's you see a random pole in a vacation, you're like, let me just, let me just go on it a little bit. You know, we want to escape from the barriers of society. And I think for me, just pole and movement and sensuality, that's just one pillar of one way of how you can do that and not be so much in your head. And I know Portia can talk about mindfulness and just not just trying like to not be so much in your head and try to like figure that out. So I know we're going to get into it, but it's, it, it flows together. It flows together. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. It all flows together. That's why I, I was like trying to figure out in the order in which we should talk about things. And I think everything's just going to naturally pop up as we go. Let's get into orgasms. A study published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior found that 95% of cis heterosexual men reported that they usually are always orgasm during a sexual encounter, while only 65% of cis heterosexual women said the same thing. And this number is higher for lesbian women. It's closer to 86% and only slightly higher by literally 1% for bisexual women. 
So why are people with vulvas orgasming less than people with penises? This is known as the orgasm gap. And is the female orgasm really that elusive and complex as people say it is? I'll go first. You know, this, this is something that I've been talking about a lot over the last two years. And I'll never get tired of it because I feel like so many people, particularly people with vulvas, cis, hetero women, we feel like there's something wrong with us and there's something we're doing incorrectly. When in reality, the orgasm gift, the orgasm gap, excuse me, persists because we live in a society that says sex is about penetration. And there's other studies that show that if you have a vulva, about 73% of people with vulvas report needing clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. Um, and if we are focusing, you know, the whole eight and a half minutes, however long y'all are having sex, oh, and I said eight and a half minutes because that's the national average for couples. Um, if we're spending that whole time focused on penetration, well, guess what? The bundle of nerves that make up the external part of the clitoris is not getting touched. So, of course, people who have vulvas are not organ orgasming. <laughs> are not orgasming, I almost said organizing, at the same rate as their partners with penises, because their, their version of the clitoris, which is the head of the penis, is getting all the stimulation, and our clitoris is getting none. So that there are many other reasons that make up why the orgasm gap exists. It's very complex, but the primary reason is that we have sex in a phallocentric fashion, meaning we're focused on the penis, we're focused on penetration, and not on the clitoris. What does focusing on the clitoris look like? It depends on what the person likes. It can be manual stimulation with your hands. It can be more oral sex. It can be bringing a toy into the bedroom. It can be using a pillow between your your mattress and your vulva and sort of pumping it if your partner is entering you from behind. It ultimately for me means that we decenter the penis. We decenter it in our sexual situations. And if the person with, if you are someone who is having sex with someone who has a penis, know that when they orgasm, sex is not over. I understand that if you have a penis, you have a refractory period, meaning that once you ejaculate, there's a time frame that you have to wait before the penis can become erect again. Your hands still work, your mouth still works, you can grab a toy, you can do other things, but us having male ejaculation as the marker for the end of sex doesn't work for everybody. And it also is arbitrary. It doesn't matter because my orgasm, and I'm speaking specifically for myself, Portia, does not come from penetration. It does not come from penetrative sex. Though I like it, I enjoy it. When my partner ejaculates, if I'm not finished, sex ain't over. And that, I think, is the mentality that we have to begin to take on and the approach we have to begin to apply to sex. 100%. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's really an interesting gap. Um, and like, like Portia was saying, how sex is censored, like fallow censored, especially around um pen like penetration. Oh my goodness. Like it's like that's all people think about when it comes to sex. And it's like, no, there's so much like sex is connection, sex is intimacy, sex is like there's so much things that's considered sex. And um when it, the clitoris is connected to you know other parts like the as far as the nerve. Um so like if if someone was to touch on the nipples that clit is feeling all of that. Y'all, y'all ever had that experience? No, I know y'all did. So it's like, 
it's like you you just do something else besides penetration, right? Just if you are, if that's your situation, ju- and that's why lesbians tend to have um a bit more, you know, orgasms for sure, because they're not censoring the the penetration. That's not that's not that's not the focus. And um we need to I feel like honestly when it comes to just animalistic behavior, animals do they just they just want to get in and get out, you know? And I feel like um I don't know what happened in history, but I feel like a message has <laughs> a message like started to pop through through some people's head and it felt like okay, sex is just right? But at one point it was only I hope they heard that. Did y'all hear the clapping? Okay. Um, <laughs> like yes. sex, no, no. It's like it. We as humans, we advanced sex. We made it more pleasurable for us. We made it more unique to who we are. And it's like we're not exploring that aspect of it. We're keeping it just very like single-minded. So definitely, once we start to expand what sex is, and you know, give the clit a little bit more attention. However, your partner likes it, you know. It, it's all, it's all, it's, it's just, uh, it, it makes me want to sigh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And for me, Celine, I think what you're saying is super, super important about the evolution of what sex is for and what the benefits of sex are. And I think that this in part ties back to our conversation about purity culture, because somewhere along the way, sex became not about pleasure, but about reproduction. And that is where, in part, right, partially, where the centering of the penis and the centering of penetration comes from. It's it's like not about pleasure. It's really about like reproduction. Um, When we know that most people don't have sex to reproduce, the majority of the things that motivate us towards sex is pleasure, connection, um, finding a way to connect with ourselves and with our partners, right? And not necessarily just to make a baby. Exactly. And the clitoris is the only organ specifically designed for pleasure and only its only purpose is pleasure. But then that being said, like, why do people like there's so many memes, there's so many jokes about like finding the clit. So like, why is it so hard? Is it so hard? (laughs) Okay, I can I can speak on it. So for me personally, it's not necessarily hard, but I feel like what's the difficult thing about finding the clip <laughs> is getting the right motion and and knowing just where to put your hands for your specific partner. So a lot of times people, they have sex and they just repeat the same things with each partner. Like, oh, my partner liked it like this. My partner liked when I moved my finger side to side. So the next partner that I have, we're going to do side to side. No, that partner probably like up and down. That partner probably don't even like you to touch their clit until maybe 10 minutes of other type of stimulation. Like it's different. It's so different. So for me, when it comes to the clit, some people be really missing it. It'd be like, dang, like, <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe going all in the all in the side, I'll be like, ah, oh, geez, is it me? Is it you know? What I'm saying? Like, no, it's it's never you. You know, it's, it's it's really never you. It's just communication. That's what it is. And if you can't communicate, you know, and kind of and you know, bodily communication too, kind of like right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't be afraid to be like right here. It's okay. So, um, definitely finding the clip. I think it works both ways. We like. We have, a, we have a responsibility to direct them as well, you know? And if they can't get it three or four more times, we keep trying. But, you know, after that, it's just like, 
they need to, I don't know. I, I don't, I, Portia, do you have an answer? So <laughs> yeah, if somebody doesn't want, if someone can't find your clit, they don't want to because it's really staring right at them. Uh, anatomically, the clitoris and the penis are twins. Your clitoris is in the same spot as their penis is. So I don't, this myth, it's society's myth. It's society's way of making fun of women's bodies. It's our way of dismissing women's pleasure, dismissing the pleasure of people with vulvas and pri again, prioritizing the pleasure of people with penises. It makes me mad. It pisses me off. <laughs> but if somebody can't find your clit, they don't want to because it's staring at them. It's right there. It was never meant for them to be Nope. Leave that one alone. Send that one back. Return to sender. Okay. Oh, she should be you being hard on them. So send them back. Return to sender. Because it's like, it really, you're right. It really is there. But you have to remember there's some anatomies that the clit is a bit more small. True. But then, like I said, it, it, the communication, it, it, we got to, we have to work on destigmatizing our bodies and it being difficult, like in general. So it's like, that. that's a lot of work, but we're going to get there. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's work. Like in our society, we don't work hard. We got to work hard. Like, like, like what, what we're all doing right now is working hard. Like we are taking a, a hour or two out of our day to speak about some real shit. This is, and I, and I just got off of two calls, you know, cause it's just like, you got to put in the work. So you got to put in the work to find the clip too, period. This is true. Everybody's body is different. And that's where self-exploration comes in, right? Because we know that people with vulvas are not encouraged to explore and masturbate the same way that people with, with penises do. So before we get to the communication part, you have to know what you're communicating. You have to know which side of your clitoris is more sensitive, what kind of motions you enjoy. At what point do you want your clitoris to be touched. And if you're not experimenting with that on your own, it can you would just have to have a really, 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 really super patient partner. Or you may not be able to say like, hey, this is kind of what I like. Um, I like a little more lube than that. I like more of a tapping motion or a circular motion or whatever it is. Um, but that's where self-exploration comes in so that you can guide and communicate to your partner what it is that you need. Right. And then guess what? Before they can even explore themselves, they have to shed away the shame that's from the culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. That's a big part of it. It's a cycle. That's a big part journey. Of it. Everyone, do y'all hear the journey? It takes one, it's one step at a time. Like, it's one step at a time. And we are a part of the transition. Okay? So, I'm proud of us. And you know what? I think it also depends on phase of life. What, like who you're with, your partner. Every, for me, I feel like I have had different desires with different people and it kind and also just like how you're feeling that day, like it can all change. And I do think like if you have a specific motion, especially if you masturbate a lot, you might get used to something and you know it works all the time. But then it's also worth it to kind of like switch it up, change things. You're mentioning nipples and there's other things too. All right, well, now that I've mentioned masturbation, this feels like the perfect time to introduce a sponsor you'll be hearing from a lot this season. And that's Honey Playbox, an affordable sexual wellness and lifestyle brand. We wanted to make this part interactive so it's not just another ad and that it actually fulfills the purpose of this podcast to educate, empower, and answer your taboo questions. One of those questions is, how do I find the right sex toy? Maybe yours isn't doing it for you. Maybe you wanna try something new, or maybe you've never tried one at all. 
I know when I first explored the world of sex toys, I had no clue where to begin. Of course, there was also the journey of even being comfortable using one in the first place, but that's for another day. So we've asked our friends at Honey Playbox to help us help you find the perfect toy. Hello there, Eva Bloom here with Honey Playbox. We are a pleasure products company run by a group of sex educators, queer meme queens, and toy connoisseurs passionate about bringing inclusive values to the adult industry. We believe that exploration and education are necessary for positive experiences of sexuality and that prioritizing pleasure starts with versatile toys. We also have our very own sex toy fairy. That's me. I'm here to make all your sex toy dreams come true. I listen to your wants, needs, and desires and use a little bit of magic to help you pick out a toy that's everything you'd ever hope for. We asked Talk Taboo fans to write to us for a personalized sex toy recommendation. So let's get into it. Today we're picking out a toy for KK, who told us they love to explore and switch things up. They're also looking for a high-intensity toy to deliver on strong orgasms, but it's also small and compact. Hey there, KK! Based on what you told us, we'd recommend Honey Playbox's Crave. The Crave is a unique wearable vibrator designed for G-spot or prostate stimulation, with curves to stimulate internal and external erogenous zones. Despite its compact size, it also has a rotating head that moves 360 degrees, so you can reach new heights of sensations, as well as a remote for hands-free use. Body-safe materials are so important when choosing a sex toy, and the Crave is made from body-safe silicone. It's also rechargeable, so you don't need to worry about batteries, and waterproof for bath or shower time fun. Thank you so much, KK! Here at Honey Playbox, we've got unique and affordable toys made from body-safe materials, and our team is always available to help you find the perfect toy for you. Check us out at HoneyPlaybox.com, and right now you can get 25% off your purchase with the coupon code TALKTABOO. You'll also get a water-based lubricant or toy cleaner as a free gift with your order. Honey Playbox, where sexual wellness meets play. And now, back to our show. Portia, I think you were saying this earlier about how just like cis women, especially heterosexual, have been conditioned to please our partners and that sex is finished when a guy um, comes. Having an orgasm as a woman or a person with a vulva isn't even necessarily an expectation. Where is the line between prioritizing your own needs and being a partner that's invested in your partner's pleasure? And is it okay to be selfish in bed? What does that even mean? Ooh, I love this question. First of all, Yeah, this is such a good question because I also talk about, and Celine talks about this too, prioritizing pleasure over being goal oriented and like striving for an orgasm. A lot of people who, a lot of people with vulvas who have a hard time orgasming consistently, a lot of the times the solution is, I don't want to oversimplify this, but prioritize the pleasure, be in the moment more and don't necessarily race toward the orgasm, right? Sometimes when we do that, we're not able to actually achieve orgasm. I think the best sex is selfish, selfish sex. Let me tell you why. Because when I show up and I'm prioritizing my pleasure and I'm showing up because I want to, I'm going to be more present. I'm going to be more authentic with my partner. I'm going to let them know what I want and need. I'm going to be more communicative or I'm going to take care of things myself and we'll let them watch. Right. Um, And the same for them. If they show up and they're fully present, and they're letting me know what they want and need, and we're communicating back and forth, and we are 
coming to this co-creatively, right? Instead of like, okay, this is all about you and let me just do the script, you know, that we all have in our heads about how sex is supposed to go. Um, we often end up kind of disappointed or at least not getting the fullness of the experience that we could. And I think that for me personally, my partner, my pleasure is tied up in my partner's pleasure as well. And I don't think that those things have to be separated. I think they can very much coexist. I can be very invested in their pleasure as well as my own. And as long as we're coming to it, again, co-creatively, meaning that we're coming to make this moment together for ourselves and for each other, we can definitely both experience the kind of pleasure that we need. Sometimes for me personally, because I'm a person, I am in a relationship and me and my partner live together. I'm also a person that self-pleasures a lot. And that may mean that I have given myself a couple of orgasms throughout the day, but I still want to connect with him. Because I've done that and because of the way my body works, I may not want to go through the work of orgasming. That may not be the benefit that I need in that moment. It might be connection. It might be seeing the pleasure on his face. It might be just touch and affection that I want to get out of the experience, right? So we each get to determine what is the best thing to come out of this experience for me at this time. And an orgasm isn't always the, the most beneficial thing. Like Celine was saying earlier, there are many benefits from sexual connection. And orgasm is just one. It's a super important one. It's a super awesome one. And it's one that we need to address the orgasm gap around. However, you can still be invested in experiencing pleasure, getting your orgasm if that's what you deem necessary, and also holding space for your partner's pleasure as well. Mm, that was that was amazing. That was amazing. And um, speaking about selfish sex is so awesome. And you know, one thing that I also... Um, I really push this for couples that I also work with as well. Timeless sex. Oof. Stop. Timeless. Like it's however long you take, like reaffirm each other, affirm, affirm each other. Like it's okay. Like, and I think when it, when you mix the selfish and timeless sex, I think that is the bridge. That's the, that's how we, that's how we fix that gap. Okay. That's how we close it off. slowly. There's other things that we have to do and it depends on each person. But for somebody that that can definitely help them um, discovering yourself for sure, um, communicating what's desirable. But you have to realize what turns you the hell on. You can't just die. Like if you if you if something turns you on, you need to you need to say noted. <laughs> need to put that in the bag. I need to write that down because it's like that's how you can then communicate to your partner. Like, listen, when you call me a dirty slut, I. <laughs> I was gonna go crazy, you know? And it's like, that's not really the most physically sexual, but however, that that person is probably well turned on, very aroused, very wet, very, you know, hard, whatever. So um, definitely just communicating that desire for sure too. So then going with that, I have like a two-part question. So maybe each of you can take one half of it. The first question is, how do you even get to that place where you're comfortable saying, this is what turns me on. This is what I like. This is what I want you to do. If you want to bring a sex toy into the bedroom, how do you even bring these things up and get comfortable with yourself to say that? Another question is, like you mentioned, Portia, how um, maybe you have someone watch you, right? To see what you like. How on earth do you get to that level of comfort and confidence? And then the second question is, 
if you're doing all these things, bringing in toys, focusing on yourself, like maybe masturbating, mutual masturbation, etc. How are there not too many things going on? And you're staying focused, you're not like, okay, now I'm gonna do this. Like, how do you stay present with mm. all these things going on? I think when it comes to getting comfortable, asking your partner to do things that are new, like having sex toys in the space, watching you masturbate, or even just asking um, for them to be in a certain position. Because for some people, that is a task, you know, saying, I actually don't like missionary. Can we like leave that out? Like that might be a task. I always advise people to, again, find another place in your life where you're uncomfortable asking for what you need and start there. If you're a person that doesn't like when someone drinks out of your glass and you find that when people do it, you have a hard time saying no, or you don't like when people eat off of your plate, or you have a certain boundary that people continuously cross and you don't do anything about it, start there, get comfortable there and watch how the world doesn't explode. No one's going to die. Your house is not going to blow up if you enforce a boundary, right? So I think it's really important to build that confidence in another area first and then move it into your sexual experience. I also advise practicing saying the thing, record yourself saying the thing, um, practice how you're going to communicate with your partner, um, and also always, always, always be affirming to them when you're asking for something new. Like, hey, I really love our sex life. It's really great. Um, I want to add a sex toy, or I want you to watch me masturbate so you know without a shadow of a doubt you can move confidently and touch my body in the way that I like um, because I want to enhance the experience for both of us. Just simple, simple things like that. But it is hard. None of this shit is easy. We're not told how to talk about sex. In fact, we're told not to talk about sex. So if you find that you're in a position where it's hard for you to articulate what you need or you feel butterflies in your stomach when you're talking to your partner about your desires, that's okay. It's your conditioning and you taking the leap to actually do it is a very brave step. So commend yourself for it and feel the free fear. Your feel all of the fear, all the anxiety, and do that shit anyway because you're going to be better on the other side. Um, pleasure is your birthright, and if again, this is a great barometer for who is actually a good partner for you and who isn't. Right? If your partner is not receptive, maybe you need to reconsider and reevaluate some things in that relationship. Mm. Wow. Yes. Um, and I, I, I just instantly thought of like, for me, a lot of times um, people are, are embarrassed of themselves. And then I just say, I challenge that embarrass yourself, embarrass yourself, because if you don't, you're going to stay limited. You're going to you're going to not break through the way you want to break through. Um, and then when it comes specifically like to um, people having sex or having sexual relations, um, embrace novelty. Embrace novelty. We all love new things. Um, and sometimes people, they love new things within their sex life. So in definitely having just that higher knowledge of just knowing that everyone is different, everyone loves different things, you know, because a lot of times, you know, in, in relationships, people, if there's someone that has like a, um, like that has a higher sex drive, um, it doesn't, it can get rocky. Stuff can get really rocky. Um, but like like Portia was saying, just just embracing yourself, finding yourself. Like it's such it's it is a journey. It is a journey, and it, it is something that everyone has. It's universal. It's it's a universal thing. Some people get there faster than others, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> slow and steady win the race. Wow, slow and steady wins the race. 
wow, that was almost like a little tongue. It's just me then. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, y'all say it. Say it. Say it fast. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race. Oh, it's, me. Oh my it's all God. good. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so how does this play out in casual sex? So I feel like with a partner, it's a lot easier. And I so like I'm currently in a relationship, and it's been a lot easier for me. And also, it's been a years of uh, working on everything. And, and the reason I even started taboo in the first place was you know all these issues that I had, but. It's become it's more comfortable in a relationship to obviously like address things or maybe it's not for some people because you haven't ever talked about it. But in a casual sex dynamic, you know, like maybe this is a one night stand, maybe this is just a casual hookup. How do you prioritize your pleasure then and like not feel bad about it? Not that you ever should, but people yeah, do. Yeah, I could tackle that. Um, we have to begin normalizing. One, so normalizing communication, even when it's a hookup, that's the that's a slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> uh, no, it's definitely, and that's a, that's a process as well. So um, normalizing that, and you have to set an intention. I always say set an intention before before sex. Like I'm going in here, and I am like you got to tell it to yourself. Like I deserve this. You know, all the affirm yourself as well when you go into casual sex. And like I said, like, it has to be normalized. It, it must, it's a must to speak. So um, I think for me, I always, I always tell people, listen, sometimes if you have to be the educator in the bedroom and just say, listen, this is this sexual health, you know, <laughs> like we got to kind of, you know, be on the same page um, because me, I would just give it, I would totally just be honest. Like for me, I feel more comfortable having like a communication. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, I fuck better. <laughs> like literally, if you want to be really like, I fuck better if we talk, like that's just it because I feel more comfortable. Like you were saying in the beginning, like Portia, more comfortable, more at ease, more, more like, okay, because it is, if it is casual, there's a, a little bit of a trust thing that you have to kind of get, get through that barrier. Cause it's like, it's kind of casual. It's someone that you don't really like fully trust, trust, but that's in some situations. So yeah, that's what I think about it. <laughs> I would agree. I think that it's twofold. It's society, like what Selena is saying, we have to begin to normalize setting boundaries, even in casual situations, even if it's just brief consent talk. What do you like? Okay, I don't like these things. These are my absolute fuck yeses. These are my hard no's. Um, whatever it is, just having like a five minute conversation before you begin having sex can change the trajectory of the interaction but we know that people don't do that <laughs> we know that it's not normalized yet so what do we do like in real time well you have to first of all know and advocate for yourself that you deserve to have a pleasurable experience and talk to that person while the interaction is going on as best you can and if you don't want to verbally say hey i like this i don't like that move their hand position your body in such a way that it's more pleasurable for you um, and I think that once you, if you are a person that engages with yourself regularly and you masturbate a lot and you know the potential pleasure that your body can give you, it becomes really hard to settle for mediocre sex, especially when you give yourself such amazing sensations and you can 
you know, bring up all of these great feelings for yourself. It becomes hard to settle for those moments. Like this guy, this person is like not even touching my spot at all. They haven't paid any attention to my body or my needs at all. Right. Then you just know. And, and also normalize ending the interaction even before it is done. You know, I, I always tell the story of a partner that I had back in college and I was trying to provide guidance verbally. This is like my baby voice starting to develop my throat chakra during sex, being like, hey, um, can you just like kind of tap my whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and he was like, do you think I don't know what you're doing, what I'm doing? Like, and he starts talking about how he should know what he's doing. I said, actually, you can leave, <laughs> you can get out. And he's like, what? And this guy was like inside me. And I was like, no, you can just get out. You don't need to be here anymore. Like, let's let's begin normalizing ending the interaction if it's not going well and if that person is not responsive. Like, hey, you don't have to be mean, but you can honestly be like, you know, I actually don't think this is compatible for me and what I need. I don't think we're in a place where we really vibe together. Like, that's okay too. I I definitely agree with you. And um, little Celine, that was a hard thing to do. You know, it was a hard like I I could communicate. But during the moment, I'm just like, oh, no, this feels way too good because I just like sex. I just like sex. And it's just like, okay, I can for me. I have a a superpower that I can just kind of block out who the person is a bit like in my mind. Yeah, it's it's, I call it a superpower because, you know, sometimes you just need to. Um, And in certain situations, (laughs) in certain situations, it was hard for me to just be like, no, like because my body was just my, I was already like fully horny, you know? So it's like, that's also for me, that's a training that I had to do was to, I have to breathe through when I'm a bit horny. Cause I can, I turn into, I don't know. I turn into my middle name, KDM. That's what I call that side because it's like, that's just how that's, that's my, that's what my body does. What my mind does. And I had to begin to train it to be like, listen, no, this is a boundary that you want to set because after that, you're not going to feel good, you know? So it's like kind of talking to yourself, self-coaching. Um, and that was that was definitely a journey as well. <laughs> it's all a journey. I feel like especially, you know, you want to please your partner. You also don't want to make them feel bad in theory, if that's what the fear is. And then, you know, it's like, Maybe with some coaching, with some guidance, they can get better. They can understand what you want. But it's like, you know, you also have to be involved in that. So it is a journey. I mean, it's definitely a journey. I don't think any of this happens overnight. So we got to keep talking about it. Also, I think there's something genuinely super sexy about just being confident and telling people what you want. I feel like a lot of people respond really well to that. Some people obviously might be intimidated or like, you don't know what I'm You don't think I know it. I'm doing, but I think a lot of people actually are in their heads worrying if they're doing the right thing. So like if you can just give them some feedback and be constructive about it. And I think that can be a super turn on. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And orgasmia is defined as the inability to reach orgasm despite stimulation and arousal. So how do you know if you're anorgasmic or if you just haven't figured out how to orgasm? Hmm. That's a great question. I normally would refer this to a physician. I would refer a person who really like if they've been trying, they've used lube, they've tried mindfulness techniques, they are using toys and their body just is not responding. 
I would recommend that they find a pelvic floor therapist or a gynecologist, someone that can help guide them to an actual diagnosis. Because from what I understand about anorgasmia, it really affects a very, very small percentage of people. Um, so I would I would recommend that if you're like at your wit's end, you've been trying for like actually months, years, and nothing, right? Because most people, it's a mental block. It's you're not using the right tools, the right techniques for your body, or there's a mental inhibitor um, more so more commonly than actually having anorgasmia. So I would refer someone to a physician if you are really concerned about that. What are some of the factors like you just mentioned, sort of a mental block, obviously like stress and there's a ton of things, but like what are some of the factors that could be preventing someone from experiencing an orgasm? It could be a lot of things. For a lot of people, when they are or when they are about to orgasm, it might almost feel too intense. That's the phrase that people use a lot. It feels like it's going to be too intense. Um, when the reality is the sensation will be too intense if you rush it, if you're rushing to orgasm, and when you clench up and hold back instead of letting your body relax and release, that's when the nerves might be a little bit too sensitive, right, to the touch and the the orgasm can be not painful, but not as pleasurable as it would be if you were to relax and release. A lot of us carry a lot of stress and a lot of tension, like you mentioned throughout the day. We don't relax. We don't know how to let tension flow out of our bodies. So that could be a factor. Um, limiting beliefs about your right to pleasure and how much pleasure you deserve. Also, I believe words are extremely important. So if you walk around telling everybody and a mama and telling yourself that you're not able to orgasm, well, guess what, babes? You're not gonna, you know? Like, if you truly believe like, oh, I'm just a person who can't orgasm, I'm never going to, that's a limiting belief. And we may not think of it as a real thing that inhibits us, but it is. Our mindsets communicate with our bodies and our bodies communicate with our minds. So if they are not in agreement about what is possible for us, if you're not telling your body you deserve pleasure and you can experience orgasm, that can be an inhibitor as well. Um, and not giving yourself enough time. A lot of people don't understand that if you have a vulva, it can take 20 minutes of stimulation for you to experience full arousal, like not get to an orgasm, but just your body's full capacity to experience arousal. So a lot of people will get in there and they'll rub around for five minutes and they're like, nothing's happening. Well, sis, you need to spend a little more time with yourself. You need to really flow into it. Touch other parts of your body. Stimulate yourself through all of your senses, visually, audibly, even your sense of smell. I have scents, candles, incense, and things like that that I light when I'm self-pleasuring and when I'm with my partner. Scent is tied to memory and your brain function. So if you're in a, in a situation where you're feeling really good and you're experiencing a lot of pleasure and you have the same recurring scent, that could be a way to trick your body into being like, oh, this is sexy time now. Oh, this is the same song that always plays, right? Like this is sexy time now. Let me get in the mood. Let me relax a little bit. Let me release. Let me shut off all these, close all the tabs in my brain so I can be here. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's a lot of it's a lot of different things. But I would say for me and the clients that I've worked with, it's time. It's time and telling yourself that you deserve pleasure, giving yourself enough time to really get there. And taking the pressure off, right? Like I feel like we talked about that too. It's just like it's not doesn't have to be the end all be all goal. If it's something that you want, it's definitely something you can keep pursuing, but it's not, it doesn't mean that you've had, you know, sex isn't 
require an orgasm. Absolutely. And also um, attach good things to sex, like with sense, with um, even visualizations and stuff like that. Like that's all playing a part in um, that mental block that you have. And it's just going to, you know, whatever, whatever that block is, is like all of this, these, these things that some may deem as little or like, what does that have to do with sex? Like everything has to do with sex. Like, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta continuously repeat to people. Everything is sex, everything, 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 everything. Mm, I love that. So this next sponsor, I'm really excited to introduce. Their founder is a force to be reckoned with, and she has created an innovative product for oral sex that I am seriously amazed by. It's called Laurels. Have you ever said no to oral sex when you wanted to say yes? Something in the back of your mind was holding you back? Maybe you were on your period and you wanted to minimize the mess. Maybe you enjoy an extra barrier for comfortable clitoral stimulation that's not too intense. Laurels can help. Laurels are single-use, natural latex panties designed to be worn during oral sex and rimming. Couples, thruples, hookups, spouses, cis, trans, queer, kinky. Laurels are made to help everyone say yes to maximizing pleasure. The world's first oral sex panties, aka laurels, give you the power to love oral always. For listeners of our show, laurels is giving you 15% off your first purchase at mylaurels.com. That's www.mylaurels.com using code TABOO, T-A-B-U. That's right, 15% off at mylaurels.com with code TABOO. Get your oral on. So we had a question from our community that sometimes I look fat slash have a double chin from a certain angle and that can be distracting. How do I not think about those things while I'm having sex? I don't know the gender of this person, but for studies show that women, um, we're primarily concerned about how we look. For women who are you know, in their heads during sex and not feeling fully present. The majority of the time we're worried about, oh, does my stomach look weird? Is my, do I have a double chin at this angle? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think that that's not an easy thing to get over, right? Because again, we have to be real about the society that we live in. We're very fat phobic. We don't, even skinny people experience the repercussions of fat phobia, right? So we have to be real about the world that we live in and how hard it is to not think about those things. I would encourage that person to really lean into their pleasure and remind themselves that their double chin, their arm fat, whatever is going on with their bodies does not stop them from experiencing sensations of pleasure in their body. And their partner likely is not thinking about it. The majority of the time, our partners are just thrilled to have their bodies on top of ours and be experiencing and sharing pleasure with us. And they're not thinking, oh man, like, double chin looks really bad from this angle. Like that's not entering anyone's brains. And I think the moment that we release that and we say, you know, this person that I'm with isn't thinking about that. I need to be here, take a few deep breaths and focus on the sensations that you are feeling. I think you can let it go. And the most important thing for me is to do it without judging yourself, to give yourself that space 
to try to release it and don't be upset with yourself if it comes back up and you find yourself thinking about it again, right? Because it's a process. Um, there, that insecurity may be replaced with something different that you weren't thinking about before, right? You might be thinking about something entirely new once you've let that go. So we can't judge ourselves if we're thinking about those things because it makes it that much harder to release the shame around it. Um, but just know that your partner is not looking at your double chin, please, child. They're not worried about that. Mm-hmm. It's it's that one that is a, a big a real tough one um, because uh, it's so internalized what you are thinking about. It's it's so deep and it's gonna require healing um, on what you think you know just what beauty is. Um, for me, I tell people you got to start seeing beauty in the ugliest things sometimes. So once you start to do that outside of you. Um, you will then it'll that that type of language that you form around things that like just even when I mean by ugly, I mean by like experience experiences that you may have, or even like if you see a tree that the branch is a little broken, you just like, you know what? That branch is gonna fertilize the ground and it's gonna and it's a purpose, you know, just seeking purpose in all things. You it's it's the inner work that needs to be done to to kind of lessen those those negative thoughts or those thoughts that just does not empower you so start to seek beauty outside and then slowly start to trickle that in just to inside of you as well journaling oh my goodness journal for me i always challenge yourself journal what if you didn't have that double chin what's the difference what is the difference if you didn't have that double chin are you going to be experiencing less pleasure like, is it, is it in your mind? Is it in your body? Like once, once people start to start, once people start to put language on what they are experiencing, they'll begin to realize, oh goodness, I, I read this somewhere and you know, or like, and it'll just start to, it'll start to be more normal. Their, their, their bodies are normal. They need to start following. I always, please just have an inspiration, you know, um, have something to look forward to. When I started to look at bodies that looked like me, I was like, oh my goodness. So a stretch mark can show on the internet? Like these people are killing it. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, for me, I I, I, built, I built myself up to the point where I just, it's okay because I've just seen so much people around me just doing it. Um, so it's also like having the right people around you. It's, it's a lot of, um, is someone telling you this? Are you telling yourself this? Um, start to do that healing work, that shadow work. It's it's a needed for the for the body dysmorphia, or just if you just sometimes it, that just kind of runs through your head. Notice if it's something that that pops up for you only when it's sex, or if it's a constant pop up. Um, normalize that. You know, if it's constant, it's okay. Like I can reverse this, or if it's a few times, okay. There's just a few things that I have to deal with. You know, and it's like, all right. All right, and then you start to go through that healing process, and then you then you just start to love yourself. But you will still have challenges. Embrace the challenges, um, and there's so much more because it's just I've been big my whole life, so it's like those thoughts I couldn't even have them because it's just I'm if, if there's gonna be a there's going to be a double chin, there's going to be I'm going to look a little squished, like you know, like it's it's okay. It's sex. You know what I'm saying? So, um, just reinforcing those messages. That's what I have to say. Can I just jump in really quick? Cause I love what Celine said about if you didn't have a double chin, what would be the difference? And for a lot of us, we can, even if we had 
you know, we had a magic wand and we could erase the things that we're physically insecure about, we're still going to find something because we don't know who we are without those insecurities. We don't know how to exist without those insecurities because this world tells us we're insecure. You have something to be insecure about. Back to what Celine was saying, this world makes money. The world spins on us feeling shitty about how we look and about everything about ourselves. So even if you could wave a magic wand, get rid of that double chin, I guarantee you, your brain would make up something else to be insecure about and something else to be worried and concerned about during sex as it as it uh, relates to your physical appearance. So learn to accept the way that your body looks. If you're trying to lose weight, whatever journey you're on, or maybe you're not, do whatever is going to make you feel good, but also love where you are right now in the journey as well. I love all of this so much. Thank you both tremendously for sharing your wisdom and being a part of this conversation and doing all the amazing work that you do. Where can people find you and how can people work with you? Can people work with you? Go ahead, Celine. Okay, so you all can find me Instagram sex with baddies, um, and you can work with me. You you can just simply um, send me an email, um, and then we can get you in. Send you a questionnaire, do some coaching because every I really believe everyone needs a coach. Everyone deserves a coach in life. We're supposed to we're supposed to rise. We're supposed to and. It takes for sometimes people to kind of push it out of us to push ourselves out. So um, you all can definitely shoot me an email if you want help with anything around sex, mindset, confidence, wanting to really feel in your body, um, wanting to embrace your authenticity, even when sometimes you don't even like yourself. <laughs> Some people really don't like themselves, but that's a journey too. You have to be okay with who you are and start to find the things that you love about yourself. So if you want to go on that journey with me, you can definitely send me that email. Um, you can find me mainly in two places. My Instagram is at Froetic Sexology. That's because I know people are like, how you spell that girl? It's F-R-O-E-T-I-C-S-E-X-ology. Froetic Sexology. Um, and my website is froeticsexology.com. I do send out a newsletter. I try to send it out weekly. It's more like bi-weekly um, on Friday, <laughs> if we're being real and we're being honest. Um, and you can work with me. I do have a coaching program. Unfortunately, I only work with, I don't work with cis men. Pretty much if you're anyone, any other gender identity, I will, I will work with you um, if we deem that we're a good match for each other. Um, and you can find more information about my coaching at ForoeticSexology.com. Amazing. Thank you both so much. Also, my stomach has been growling, so I hope that did not pick up on the mic. And <laughs> <laughs> not over here, at least. <laughs> I hope I muted a few times. Uh, I hope we talk again soon. Yes. Thank you so much, Mia. Thank you. Thank you.